This past week, uh, we celebrated, if that's the proper word, probably more like remembered, uh, 9-11. It was the 18th anniversary of that horrible day uh, when the Twin Towers in New York fell. Sometimes we don't maybe stop and think about how much that has changed our lives. Used to be when I went to renew my driver's license, I walked in, gave them the money, looked at this little thing, some kind of a elementary eye test, asked, answered a few questions, and away I walked. My brand new driver's license. Well, I can remember going the first time after 9-11, and I had to have my birth certificate. I had to have a copy of my utility bill. I had to have my Social Security card, and if I didn't have my birth certificate, I had to have a passport. In other words, I had to verify who I was, where I lived, and that I had an identification number from my government. And I still had to pay the fee. Well, it affected my life. There was a change there. Even today, when we fly to Ghana, we have to take the credit card that we use to pay for the flight. If I don't show that credit card, they're not going to let me on the flight. And I have to go through security. Here I am. I'm a guy almost 70 years old. They want to go through my baggage. I don't know why they want to see Geritol. I don't know why they want to see all these vitamins that I need to survive the next day, but they do. And then they want me to stand in front of this thing, and they want to look at my form, and I'm thinking, you people are sick. <laughs> and sometimes it takes an hour to get through that. It changed our lives. And there's probably a hundred other ways that we don't even realize that have caused changes in our lives because of what happened. When we read the epistle of James, James's letter is not a theoretical letter. He's not discussing religious theory. He's not like Paul's letter in Romans that deals with the idea of justification and, and faith and works and all those things. James' letter is about change. It's a letter of practicality. It is a letter that says, if you are a child of God, this is some things you need to be doing. He, James is the letter where the rubber meets the road, we might say. Where here I get a checklist of these are things that God expects me to do and not to do. And in verses 19 through 27, he gives us some practical things that we might know and make sure, that as he says there, I think it's in verse 26, if I remember right, or verse, yeah, verse 26, that we might make sure that our religion is not useless or worthless or in vain. Or non-beneficial. In other words, I want to make sure that what I do, that there's some benefit in there. 
that there's some value in that. And so we're going to look at those passages, and we're going to look at some things that James says we shouldn't be engaged in, and some things that we should be engaged in. You notice beginning in verse, um, in verse 19 there. So then, my beloved brethren, one translation says, No, know this, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. In other words, what James seems to be saying here is that if, I, if my religion is going to have some benefit, if it's going to have some value, I'm going to have to watch what I say. I'm going to be, have to be careful of what comes out of my mouth. Wow. Imagine God holding us accountable for what we said yesterday. Or what we will say today. James says we're to be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. I think in this context what James is saying is. Does what you say continually, constantly, just brings about chaos and contention? Are you one of those persons that what comes out of your lips is constantly causing turmoil in other people's lives? Are you constantly tearing someone down, telling them what they do wrong all the time? In chapter 4, verse 29 of the the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says that our speech is to be with grace, grace and that it builds up. It's easy to tell people what they do wrong, isn't it? It's easy because we're fallible creatures. We make mistakes. We don't always say the right thing. We don't always do the right thing. We don't even always think the right thing. And so it's easy for that person that wants to tear down, that person that is quick to speak and quick to wrath to say, oh, you didn't do that today. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you wash my clothes? Why didn't you iron my shirt? Why didn't you take the garbage out? What's wrong with you? Why didn't you come by today? See, a person that has that speech like that. James says their religion's not worth much. It's it's useless. It's not beneficial. It's vain. It's worthless. In Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19. The wise man wrote, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 17, verse 27, he who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is a calm spirit. Proverbs 14, verse 17, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of quick and wicked intentions is hated. In Colossians 3, and verse 18. Now you yourself, or three eight, excuse me, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. 
See, the person that gossips, the person that constantly is berating others, the person that is constantly belittling others, did you see what she wore? Did you see his haircut? He's still wearing those clothes that they're unpopular 40 years ago. Or she's wearing that dress that they wore, she wore 60 years ago in her wedding pictures. Does that build people up? James says if we have that kind of religion, our religion's not worth much. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see, be called the sons of God. So the first thing I have to ask myself is, do the words that I say build up or do they tear down? Do they encourage or do they hurt? Do they cause someone to want to be better or am I just telling them how bad I think that they are? And if that's what my religion has done for me, or if that's what your religion has done for you, it's not much of a religion. That's what James says. It's useless. It's worthless. It's vain. It's not beneficial. Second thing, your religion might not be worth much if filthiness and wickedness are still part of your life. Notice what James says in verse 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Anybody here, I mean probably at all one time or another, we might have been working out in the yard You know, putting in, planting, things like that, doing that gardening that we do. Or you may have had a job where you just get filthy. You get filthy and stinky. Your clothes get filthy and stinky. And you come into the house, and what's the first thing your wife says to you? Don't come into the house. Years ago, I had a job, a real job. had a job that I worked in a steel foundry. And when I came home at night, my clothes would be just black and soot. My face would be black with soot from the steel mill, from the foundry. And I just smelled of these chemicals that they would put in the mold. That when they'd pour that hot steel, that, that smoke would come out. And it just permeated my hair. It permeated my clothes. It permeated every part of me. And when I came home, Shirley would not let me walk in the door until I went down to the basement. We had a basement at that time. And took everything off. Couldn't come into the house. Wasn't having that filthy stuff in the house. Wasn't going to have that smell in her house. Well that word that God says here in James. When James says put off. Lay aside. That's what he's talking about. He's saying all that filthiness. All that wickedness in our life. We got to take that like it, it was some kind of a filthy garment. And lay it aside. Sometimes we don't, do we? 
I got this favorite pair of socks. They're my lucky socks. And I wear them every day because I want to make sure as long as I had those socks on, I've never got hurt or I've always hit a home run or my team has always got one. Did you ever hear that? Not so much people at work, but athletes wear the pistol. Pistol Pete Maravich wore the same pair of socks, I think, for 20-some years when he played. That's the way we are with our sins sometimes. We want to hold on to some of it. This is just too good. Having a drink before dinner just sort of calms me down. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to have that glass of wine or, or that beer. God, God understands. Or those movies that I watch where there's explicit language and explicit sex and things like that. You know, I, I'm a Christian. I can put that out of my mind. And we could just go down the list, couldn't we? We'll put off the things that are easy for us. But the things that aren't so easy are the things that we enjoy. We hold on to. See, if you and I haven't laid aside the sin in our life, whatever that sin may be, if you and I haven't taken that off like we would take off a dirty clothes, then our religion is not worth much. If we keep holding on to it and we won't let go of it, then James says it's useless, it's worthless, it's in vain, it's not worth much. It's not going to benefit it a whole much. Your religion might not be worth much, If you don't apply the word of God to your life. Notice what James says beginning in verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Do you ever meet that Christian that, that considers his faith or the word of God as some theological dissertation by God? And that person will sit around all day and talk about the nuances, the intricacies, the depths of the word of God. But yet it's never changed their life. Never changed his or her life. See, if the word of God hasn't changed your life, if it hasn't made you a better person or caused you to be a want a better person, be a better person in the eyes of God, then your religion might not be worth much. Because when we study the word of God and we look into it, There's no blessing in just hearing those words and talking about those words and discussing them in Bible class. The blessing comes when we put them into effect in our lives, when we do what God says, when we pray fervently, 
when we acknowledge our sin and turn from it. We had two people come forward on Wednesday night and acknowledge that they had sin in their life and they wanted to turn from it. You think they're the only two people in this group that has sin in their life? You'll have to answer that, not me. But they were going to be doers of the word and not hearers only. When we just work, look at the word and we study it and we talk about it in class and we discuss all these intricacies and the, the original language and all those things and we say, oh, how smart we are. We know what God is saying. And then when we go out and if you and I don't apply it to our life, what value is that religion? What benefit is it to you and I? Other than we're a little smarter, know a little bit more about God's word. And when we come in and we study God's word and we know, learn more about it, and learn more about what God would have us to be, and we walk away and don't make any change, we're like that person that looks into a mirror, sees that person, sees what kind of a person he is, and then walks away and forgets immediately. Because, you know, the Bible is a mirror. It tells us who we are in the eyes of God. It lets us know whether we're faithful or unfaithful, whether we're a child of God or not a child of God. It tells us what true religion is and what it is not. And our religion might not be of much value if we don't put in effect what we learn from God's word. There is a religion, however, that is beneficial. That is valuable. If you use your words to build up, to bring peace, to comfort the hurting, then your religion is beneficial. And it is valuable. When you see that hurting person, you're there to lift them up and you're there to encourage them. You're there to help them. When you see that person that needs an arm around their shoulder, when you see that person that does not know the word of God and you're willing to share with them the blessings that God wants for them, then your religion might be beneficial. And it might be worth a whole lot to that person that needs comfort. Because God says that we comfort others with the same comfort that which he has comforted us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and following. Or verse chapter 1 verse 3 and following. Imagine if you and I made a commitment for the rest of our lives starting today. That everything that came out of our mouth was that which was graceful, that was seasoned with grace, that which built it up and didn't tear down, that which encouraged but never detracted from others and never tried to destroy their care, destroy their, their self-esteem, but tried to encourage them to be a better child of God. Imagine what we would be like as just a small group of people. 
If we made an effort every time when we go into Publix and we just said to that cashier who's probably just run 1,500 people through our line and said, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing here because I know people are hard to deal with. But you do it with a smile. You don't think that's going to help that lady or that man? Or that person that comes out and gets the cart in the hot sun? What if we just say, hey, let me push my cart back? So your life will be a little easier. That kind of religion has some benefit. It has some value. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4, pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Proverbs 25, verse 11, a fitly spoken word is like apples of gold and settings of silver. A word spoken in kindness, in love, in compassion, at a needed time is more valuable than the most precious of jewels. It's easy for us to tell why people are in the situation that they're in. I've been guilty of it. Probably you've been guilty of it too. Well, you're in this situation because you didn't spend your money right. You're in this situation because you got tied up with a person that didn't have a good background. You're in this situation because you made bad decisions. Which one of us haven't? Which one of us haven't? If we didn't have a do-over, if we had an opportunity for a do-over, wouldn't go back and change some aspect of our life. And if we say that we wouldn't, we're fooling ourselves. People make mistakes. And we can be a people that tell them, let them know the mistakes they made. We can be a people that encourages them through our words to be better, to do better, and to hope for something that's better. If we do that, then our religion has some substance to it. It has some benefit to it, not only to us, but also to those around us. If you have given yourself to know and to live God's word in your life, then your religion has value. It's beneficial. 21 verses 21 and 22. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Verse 25 But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And here Jesus is speaking with the religious leader. He was more concerned about the rituals of his religion than he was about his fellow man. Luke chapter 11. No, yeah, Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 37. Luke 11, beginning in verse 37. 
And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did he not... Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. You know what Jesus was saying there? You're going through the rituals. You're doing those acts. You're washing in that special way that you've laid out so that you can be ceremonially clean. You go to worship on Sunday. You give into the collection. You take the Lord's Supper. You sing songs. You probably even pray before dinner. But all that ritual... doesn't go far enough. Because we must be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Not just doers of those things that are ritualistic that we can do on Sunday, but doers every day of the week. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. 365 days of the year. The kind of religion that God approves is a religion that is more than just outward ritual and ceremony. The prophet Micah said, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to do what God says, to love mercy and to walk humbly before our Lord. You've got to do what God says. You've got to worship God. But you also have to love mercy. You have to have that compassion. There's an inward aspect to our religion as well. And to walk humbly. Whatever God says, that I will do. So if you've given yourself to know and to live God's word in your life, then your religion is beneficial and it's valuable. And then lastly, if you help those in need, your religion is beneficial and valuable. Look at verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God is this. Visit the widows and orphans in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Here's what we think about this verse. At least maybe some do. If I make sure the widows are okay, and I make sure the orphans are okay, then I'm good as far as anybody else. As long as I make sure the widows in the congregation have what they need, that's what the word visit means there, 
to make sure that they have what they need. And if there's any orphans in the congregation, as long as I make sure that they're okay, then I'm okay with anything else. I don't have to go any further than that. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. You're probably there because we were in just Luke 11. And notice beginning in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your understanding of it? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, He said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you shall live. You will live. But he, the person, the, religion, the teacher, the lawyer, He wanted to justify himself and saying to Jesus, then who is my neighbor? And this is how Jesus responded. Certain man went down from Jerusalem to Galilee or to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him, he passed on by on the other side. Priest passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. When he arrived at the place, came down and looked and passed by on the other side. Were those, both of these guys religious guys? Well, yes, they were religious. The priests were the ones that offered to sacrifice. The Levites were those that served in the temple. So here's these two religious guys. They walk down. Here's this guy that's been beaten, left, and dead. What do they do? They get as far away from him as they can. But a certain Samaritan, Samaritan, excuse me, As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, two days' wages. Two days' wages, two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three, Jesus is asking this this. Uh, religious leader, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell upon the thieves? Who do you think was the neighbor? Was it the religious people? That religious leader couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He He was so proud he wouldn't even say it. Notice what he says. He who showed mercy... On him, he who showed mercy on that person that was not a widow, was not an orphan, but a person who was in need. See, pure and undefiled religion before God is helping those who are in need. James just used widows and orphans as a part for the whole. Jesus has already qualified this a long time ago. So I have to ask myself, is my religion beneficial? Does my religion have some value? Because if my words aren't what they should be and I'm tearing down instead of building up, then my religion's not worth much. 
And I'm still carrying sin. If I'm still carrying sin around in my life, my religion's not worth much. And if I'm not doing what God would have me to do, then my religion's not worth much. But if I strive to build up, I strive to encourage. If I put into effect what I learned from God's word into my life and are continually and constantly making changes in my life. And when I see a need, I try to fulfill that need, not just materially, but spiritually. Then my religion is of great value. It's not only beneficial to me, but it's beneficial to the world around me. And I seem to remember a carpenter from Nazareth said that we are to be a light of the world. That through our good works, that our God and his Father might be glorified. So what kind of religion do you have this morning? On the surface, I would say from where I stand, all of us have religion that is beneficial. But only you and God know your heart of hearts. Only you and God know what you're alike away from these four buildings or these four walls. And if your religion isn't the one that God would have you to have, it's not going to benefit you. But if it is, if it is, don't stop. Keep it on. The world needs you. The people world needs your light. It needs your guidance. It needs your strength. It needs your encouragement. And don't ever grow weary in doing good. Because only you and I, those of us who are faithful children of God, can ever bring about the change that this world needs. If you're here this morning and not a New Testament Christian, you're not even in the fight. You're not even in the battle. You're sitting on the sideline. But God's not going to let you remain there because one day if you don't decide, he's going to decide. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and if you truly will believe that, then you're going to want to do what Jesus said. And the first thing that Jesus says is you have to repent. You've got to decide, I'm going to do what God says rather than what I want. Then and only then can we confess Jesus is Lord. Because I've made that commitment. From now on, I'm tired of looking at that man in the mirror, and I'm tired of looking at myself in the the word of God and not making any changes. I'm making the changes. That's repentance. Then and only then can we confess Jesus as Lord. But what about our past sins? God says when you are immersed in baptism, you are buried into Christ. And that when you come out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Christ. You arise to walk in newness of life. And we don't bury live people. We bury dead people. That old man of sin is buried through baptism. When we arise to walk in newness of life, our sins are washed away. And Christ adds us to his church. We'd like to help you to do that this morning. If you want to give your life to Christ, we'd like to help you. And if you are a Christian, 
And maybe as you've thought about these things that we've studied this morning, that maybe your religion's not as beneficial as you thought it would be or is, make those changes. Make those changes. God desires all of us to be with him in heaven. And he said to the prophet Ezekiel, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Leave here right with God. We can help in any way once you come as we sing this song of encouragement.